The Orlando Magic sit in a really good spot this year at the draft with the 6th and 11th picks. A lot to talk about, a lot of prospects to go through. So, of course, we're going to get our main man, Richard Stamen, on to break it all down for us on today's Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed locked on Magic. Today is May 25th, 2023. My name is Phil Prosperike. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, we're going to talk to Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen, the host of Locked on NBA Big Board, talking about what the Magic should do at the NBA Draft. We'll get into a little bit about Palabang Caro's rookie season, where the Magic stand, what they should be doing as far as best player available versus need, and who the prospects are that they should really be targeting. We'll get to all that with his expertise coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. No matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Obviously, we got a lot to go through to get ready for the NBA draft. We'll be doing some individual player profiles coming up in the, in the next few weeks, obviously, in the next few days as well. But today, we want to get another introduction to the draft class and some of the issues facing the Magic. We'll hear from that from our pal Richard Stamen coming up in just a moment. And we are now joined by our good friend Richard Stamen uh, at Mavs Draft on on Twitter, uh, our ho- one of the hosts of Locked On NBA Big Board. Uh, Richard, how how you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. It's always good to be on uh, the hometown show from Orlando. <laughs> That's why if you see Mavs slash Magic in there, I'm from Orlando, technically Magic fan first. So always good to be back on here with you. Uh, yeah, and I, I definitely appreciate having you on here. It's good to have someone with a national perspective that 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 knows a little bit about what's going on with the Magic. Not that the national guys don't. I, I value their perspectives from the outside. Um, but if you look at my comments, you can see that uh, a lot of Magic fans think they get a lot of things wrong. But let's let's start. You know, before we get into the draft, let's start with what the Magic were able to accomplish this season. And obviously, everything. Starts with Paolo Bancaro being rookie of the year. We had long conversations about him last year when the Magic had the number one pick. What did you see from Paolo Bancaro's rookie year that maybe surprised you? Um, or did you expect him to be the guy that broke my infamous no non-centers that have scored 20 points per game in, in, in a season since 2005? Well, hey, you know... I think, uh, first of all, I vividly remember on lottery night 2022, you joined the Locked On National one where they're like, oh my God, we got the host of Locked On Magic. He's here. And you go, we're taking Powell. We're taking Powell. Like, that's my final answer. And you were right. Like, everything. So spot on for you. Uh, overall with Paolo, I mean, dude, how, how could you not be impressed? Like, let's let's just look at it. He, sh- he was a 20 points a game guy without a jump, without a three-point shot. And that should make every Magic fan optimistic, very rightfully so. 
He can do just about everything right now. For him, it's just brushing up on those consistencies away from uh, some, just mostly away from scoring. But that stuff's going to come. Like the Magic very obviously got a, a star with superstar upside. So spot on rookie year. Great job for you calling that. I was a take check guy. So congrats to you on being uh, more right, at least in year one than I was. Uh, let's 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 burn a lot of the tape that came after it, including my always terrible uh, locked on mock draft. And yeah, I still have my my post it note from draft from draft night that 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 that, that I quickly amended. Um, no, I, I mean obviously Paolo was everything you could. I'm willing to freeze in cold takes myself. I don't care. Um, uh, obviously Paolo was everything that the Magic could imagine and, and have really wanted and been seeking for a decade now since Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard left the team. Um, It's, it, it, it's amazing to me. And you, you always know this conceptually, but it is amazing to me how much everything changes when that star player is in place. Um, And and just how differently we're talking about the magic today than we were a year ago. I mean, yes, a year ago, the magic have the number one pick that brings a lot of optimism, but now it's like, Oh, this team was in the postseason hunt to the final day of the season, to the final week of the season, the final three games of the season. Now they can have something to to build build upon. Um, before we take a look, you know, moving forward, then with this with this Magic team, you know, obviously Paolo is a big part of this team. But this is still a really really young team. What did you see from the Magic that that changed in them this year? that made everything make sense and, and puts them in a position where, you know, like, yeah, Paolo said it. And I think he reiterated it in the slime slime magazine article next year, they expect to be in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the magic jumped from, I mean, they went from 22 wins to 34 and let's be real. If they didn't do what every other team in April did, which is just sit everyone out for the most part and not try and win games. We're talking about 35, 36 wins, and that's a that was the third best, I think, second best jump this year. I mean, simply everyone just got better, I think. I mean, yeah, you could point to some guys like being new, like Bull Bull, I think had some emergence, but like he didn't ultimately, I wouldn't say impact winning at a high level. That was the reason for 12 plus wins. I mean, it was Palo got better, but you know, I think guys just found their roles in a little bit more of what their their niche is, right? And and I think that helped a lot. I mean. Markel Fultz, I think, really clicked, and that helped. Uh, Wendell Carter found a role. It took him a little bit, I think, to get going. I was, I was, I remember that slow start uh, in terms of just he looked lost. I don't know if the stats were actually slow, but I remember, you know, screaming at my TV. I'm like, "What are you doing out there? You're just sitting in no man's land." But eventually, all these guys started clicking, and once one clicked, the next clicked, and the next, and it, it became very clear they're a cohesive unit. Like it's a cliche, but it very much applied to this team, and I, I think. You know, looking ahead to the draft, who knows what they do, but I think they have a very just optimistic outlook that very few other teams in the top 10 do. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what makes the Magic's position in this draft like so interesting. You know, obviously they're sitting here with two lottery picks, the sixth pick and the 11th pick. That immediately usually gives you some power to, to move around and to be really flexible with what you do. But, you know, you look at the teams ahead of them, you know, they all, and I made this point on lottery night, you look at the teams that are ahead of them in the lottery. It was like, they all need to win the lottery. Like Portland, like they're maybe a little bit different because they have Damian Lillard and they have some of those questions about Dame that that's going to color what they do on draft night, but they needed a lottery win to, to give themselves options. 
to maybe keep Dame and maybe add a star player. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of talk of them kind of walking both the young player and the veteran player path for Dame. But like Detroit needed a lottery win. Charlotte needed a lottery win. San Antonio certainly did. Um, who am I? Who am I forget? Who am I? Houston needed a lottery win. The Magic, I think, sit in this draft, like saying, okay, we've got at least for now four starters kind of locked in place. Gary Harris is our veteran. Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs are really nice players off the bench. Really, they, they probably feel very secure with them. Um, Jonathan Isaac is Jonathan Isaac. You don't know how much you can count on him, but when he does play, he makes a, a very clear impact. And there's a bunch of young players that, you know, maybe they haven't quite given up on yet. You know, Bull Bull certainly there. Chuba OKK certainly there. Uh, Caleb Houston, their second round pick from last year, certainly in that group. They, they found Goga Batadze off the scrap heap and he had a really nice finish. Mo Wagner did some nice things. They have a, a lot of players, or they have a team, again, that went 29 and 28 to finish last season. You noted, made the 12 game improvement. This is a team that is, you know, just needs to add pieces to the puzzle. They don't need kind of the, the big piece to make everything click and make everything fit. Not that they would have turned down Victor Wembanyama if they would have gotten to it. Uh, we'll talk about some other options here in, in a minute. But as the Magic approach this draft then, how how different or how available is this draft to a team that maybe doesn't need to find its star or doesn't need to add a star player? You know, this is a team that maybe doesn't need a high ceiling guy and just gets a gets a guy that helps helps the team. How how does that change or how does this draft fit a team that might be looking for for something along those lines? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of these glue guys are starting to approach. I think you look at Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker just by name. I don't know what their range exactly is. If I had to guess five through eight by eight, both are gone. And so there's some area there. Funny enough. Hey, that's where the magic pick also around 10 through 14. There's a lot of those guys too. And Hey, that's where the magic pick too. So there's a lot of opportunity for one of two things. The magic can get, get a good value out of a trade of both of those spots or I mean, they could package both of those and see that, you know, there may be some upside in those for teams and move up, or they could just take some of those players. And it's a win-win-win, right? None of those scenarios seem bad unless you just make the wrong pick. So I, I think there's a lot of optimism in that regard. Yeah, and I mean, obviously the draft is, you know, it's not a crap shoot completely. Like, they're they're all making educated guesses, but you don't know which guy's going to emerge as a, as a star. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, like, we'll, we'll get into the six pick here and maybe some of the strategy around the six pick here in a minute. But, you know, you take maybe a guy with a lower ceiling like Grady Dick who fits what this team needs better than probably anyone out there, you know, since shooting is such a big need for this team. You know, there's certainly the chance that you could pass on a guy with star potential like an Asar Thompson, you know, like like a Cam Whitmore maybe. We'll get to, we'll get to some of these guys in our next segment here in a minute. Um, but... It they may not necessarily fit what this team needs for what they're trying to accomplish next year. And, and and every draft, obviously, you're balancing best player available versus team fit. You know, team fit maybe informs who's the best available to some extent. But I always tell people, like, look, the draft, just take the best player. Like you could figure it out later, especially when you're drafting this high at six. Um, I guess this is the best place to come come to you for for that philosophy. For a team like the Magic. Should they be focused more on who fits this young core best? Or should they be still thinking, hey, talent is talent. Get me talent. A little bit of both. I mean, I don't think they Obviously. should be like at six. And, and that goes without saying. But I mean, I, I do think there are limits to both. 
they should not be taking somebody like to me, there's really no person. There's nobody that's so talented. How do I word it? There's nobody that I'm not saying that I'm saying no to, right? Like even if Amon Thompson falls, he's probably one of the weirdest fits I would say early on or a star. I mean, I think there's a lot of reservations about a star. I personally don't see the star upside. I think he's more likely to be a great role player. Um, I mean, I've heard just so many people at OTE rave about his defense, but you know, he just, I think he's a little bit limited as a ball handler. So I think it, d- it depends. You're not taking Grady Dick at six. I think really it, it, the first pick, especially at six, go for that blend. Find somebody who shoots. Like you have to get somebody who shoots at this point. You can't get a non-shooter. I don't think you can take it SAR for that reason. Even if you believe he eventually gets there, you just, you can't. And then after that, at 11, if you decide to keep it, you weigh, for me, it's like between two guys. You weigh the, the balance of Jordan Hawkins or Grady Dick. Those are the two guys. I think at 11, you really just shoot for fit. That's what the Magic have such a good position for, though, is they can do both of them, right? They can just say, hey, we're going to swing for the fences. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, still hit probably at 11 because we're going for fit. So the Magic have the best way, but the problem is the roster doesn't actually allow for that. This is very literal. They have to make too many changes for that to realistically work and get better. So that probably won't happen. And that being said, I would say at six, unless it is somebody like – I hesitate to say Asar Thompson because I just don't think he can shoot enough. And at this point, he'd get lost in the mix. It's not anything against him on that. It's really, I don't think he fits. So very long-winded answer. But I would say outside of a couple guys, just swing for the fences at six. I, I honestly, I think that 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 long-winded the the difficulty of finding finding the words. Uh, I'm kind of glad that you're struggling to find that because like the way I describe this draft class as a whole is there are good players there. Um, there, there are going to be guys that find their way in this draft class, but I also feel like there's a lot of players who, if they get put in the wrong situation, they get put on a team that doesn't hide their weaknesses, they're going to struggle. And like, it feels like every player after that top three has just some real big fatal flaw that you've just got to be aware of. You got to accept, you got to know, and you got to figure out a way to work around. And, you know, for a magic team that, you know, honestly, like, I, I don't think winning is everything yet for this team, but they're going to be disappointed if they're sitting out at, at, of the play-in tournament next year, at the very least. They're, yeah. they're going to be disappointed if they don't make that make that run, and you know they're going to have to start. They're going to start asking questions about their roster if they don't if they don't get at least that far. They'll ask questions about their roster regardless because they're a young team trying to trying to figure out how to move, move up and down, uh, move, move up the standings. But this this draft, I feel like, has a lot of really interesting players, but no runaway guy of like, oh, this is, the, you know, out, you know, outside that top three, top three's top three. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but they, there's no guy that I'm just like, oh, you have to have him. He's going to do this exactly. Um, unless they're like limited, like Grady Dick might be. Um, they all have some flaw that is just like, if that, if, if you can't cover for that flaw, it's going to be a long development road for this, for this player. Yeah, and and you're saying so? Which player kind of is that? No, no, right? no. I'm just or, saying. I'm just oh, saying that's oh, just generally right, how just, this draft class is. Yeah. So like, I, I, I kind like, of agree. Yeah, I, I think I mostly agree. I'm. I find myself always being a little bit more optimistic than most, and I it, it's a fault of mine just because I see too much, and I'm like, oh well, I've seen the good, and you know, most pros cons lists end up having more pros. It's every top prospect. But I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the head, right? Like they, they all have some value of risk tagged with them. And 
some of them more, I mean, like, honestly, we could talk about right now. Kim Whitmore, I think is somebody who fills that, right? Like, I don't know what your concerns are for him. For me, the feel for the game pops and it's not in a positive way. Like things like that. And somebody pointed this out to me today was, have you ever watched the sideline, watch the coaches, watch the teammates when Cam Whitmore is playing and he makes a mistake? They, it's so negative reactions that like that stuff, it, it feels like, is this guy a cancer? Like what's, you know, what's going on there? So I'm curious what you don't like about him. Sorry to shift the no, conversation, no. but like, I think no, he's a perfect example of this. We're, 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 we're at our time to, to take a, take a quick break. So on the other side of, of this break, because I'm, I'm recording you separate from my, from my, from my ins and outs and ad reads, um, let's, we'll talk, let's, let's dive right into Cam Whitmore. Uh, we'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. We'll jump back to our conversation with Richard here in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our pals at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right. The first time around, just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with more than 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So we left off talking about Cam Whitmore, and, and you brought up um, brought up you know kind of the sideline reaction. Um, I was actually just listening to uh, 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 our friend uh, Sam Fasini. I'm sure he's our friend. I don't know if he's your friend um, uh, from the from the Game Theory podcast in the Athletic, uh, and he noted that Cam Whitmore had like a historically low assist rate for a high usage player like him. I have concerns about. I think it's concerning that Cam did not was not able to get, I know he had injuries. He had the eye injury, had the uh, wrist injury, I think, or thumb injury or something. Um, yeah. I think it's concerning that they still didn't, that they only made the NIT, that they didn't still make the NCAA tournament, even with him playing the majority of his games. For a guy who's supposedly a high volume scorer, he still, you know, yeah, I don't think he only took like nine field goal attempts per game. So it wasn't like crazy high, um, but he only averaged 12 points per game. Um, but ultimately like my concern with Cam and, and, and everyone cites the stats at me that he's, uh, a great catch and shoot three point shooter. Um, my concern is he shot 70% from the foul line. And for a guy with his athleticism, his ability to get to the foul line, um, it's not so much his ability to get to the foul line. That's, that's, not, that's not the part I'm concerned with. Free throw percentage typically tells you how good of a shooter a player is going to be. He already didn't have a great three point field goal percentage. And I understand he had a wrist injury and he shot better as the season went on. Uh, and I also understand that he, was creating a lot of offense. So of course he's going to take lower percentage threes, but for a guy and, and Asar and Amen Thompson have the same concern. Um, you know, I think they're better. I think they're more kind of complete players than, than Cam is at this point. But, um, but for a magic team that desperately needs shooting, 
And if they're going to stick with Jalen Suggs off the bench, they they're, they need Cole Anthony to continue being an efficient shooter like he was this year. They're going to need more shooting off the bench. For a team that needs shooting, a, a, a 70% free throw, free throw percentage from a guy who's supposed to be a high-volume scorer and, and eventually a three-point shooter for your team, that's a red. That's a huge red flag for me. That 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 sends up alarm bells, and and I see why people like him. He does do a lot of good. He does do a lot of good things. The athleticism definitely pops off. He's he's big. He's built really well. Um, you know, he should be able to defend defend uh, up a position too because of because of his size. But the free the, the the shooting really concerns me, especially for a Magic team. Like, look, if this were last year, and the Magic still needed that guy, like you know if. If the Magic didn't get the number one pick last year and it fall into like four or five, I probably would have been pushing hard for Ben Matherin. Um, like Ben Matherin, I thought, you know, he had he had some of those same, a lot of the same concerns, but he was a guy that projected into being that first star. Because when you need that first star, you'll you'll take a risk to go get that first star. Um Cam Whitmore would might be that what might might have been that guy for me if the Magic were if the Magic didn't get Paolo and they still needed that, needed a player like him. But to that conversation we had earlier, they don't need a star any, right now. They need role players. They need guys that are going to fill in roles. And so I look at a lot of these prospects and I think, okay, what's he going to do when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? How is he going to help Paolo and Franz be better? How is he going to give them the space to do the things that they do? That's, to me, that's like so much of what the draft psychology for the Magic is right now. And yeah. so Whitmore, I'm not against drafting Whitmore. I know people, I know he has his supporters among Magic fans and everywhere else, and, and I see why. But to me, there there's a lot of red flags that I'm concerned about. Yeah, I, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, one of those things that I want to elaborate on is I mean, the defense. The guy is is built very well. He's already NBA ready frame. Um, you know, he, he's got I'm pulling up the wingspan now, but you know, six eight and a half isn't that great for a wing. He's six six. The weight, the weight is shoes. what stood out to me. The weight stood out to and me. It's like two two fifteen, two twenty, something like that. See, what scares me the most is he's got tiny hands for a wing. Okay. Like he's got really small hands. He measured out the hand width was eight and a quarter. For reference, Mike Miles had the exact same, and he's six feet. So, like, that's not good. And he has a six foot wingspan. So like Mike Miles, not Whitmore. So for me, there, there were a lot of flags in that regard. Also what you said about the percentages, like the free throw percentage tells the story. I, I will say if there was one time I'm going to give it a benefit of the doubt this year, it is him because he hit so many, like the, it was, everything was repeatable against closeouts. He did shoot very well over closeouts uh, with enough flashes. I would say I would actually invest in that one getting better. But again, you just, you never know with free throw percentage. It's such a strong, successful indicator. It's hard. And the last thing I'll say, like I said, you know, watch the guys on the, on the sidelines. I think it emphasizes his lack of decision-making, right? But, you know, for somebody, two last things. For somebody with such good physical tools, he sure is lost and absorbed in screens way too easily. And if you can't guard the pick and roll as a wing, it's really tough to, to stay on the floor defensively. And then the very last thing this time is he bullies everybody to the rim. Like he, it doesn't feel like he's breaking guys down with dribbles. He's shoulder bump, dribble, shoulder bump, dribble, like whatever. And that's just not sustainable in the NBA. Like for every play, you can do it at sometimes when you got a guard on you, you can't be doing that every play. Yeah. And, and, and to, to that point about defense and screening, like I, I've been thinking about this a lot, especially he's been watching the playoffs 
you know, if, if the Magic are truly thinking we're playoffs or bust, and they got to be thinking about every single player on their roster to some extent. And I know I've raised some of these questions, and I think a lot of these, a lot of the questions with some of the players on the current roster are more about two, three years down the road or a year or two down the road. You got to be thinking about who's going to be successful in the playoffs. What's going to help you win playoff games? Like you've got to be thinking about that now. You can't just be adding players and say and and saying talent, 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 and not be thinking. What is this team looking like at the end? Again, this goes back to the longer discuss, the bigger discussion. The Magic got to start building the team that they want to be. Um, you know, they're not they're not collecting talent anymore. They're not just saying we got talent player here, talent player there, talent player here. Let's throw it all together and figure out what works. They have a bit of a formula now. They know what works and what helps them win. They did it for three quarters of the season this year. So now they have to start thinking about okay, what's going to make this group better? What's going to help help them grow and you know, you mentioned earlier about Taylor Hendricks being being that guy. Obviously, a UCF guy that a lot of ma- a lot of maybe Magic fans are familiar. I don't know how much Magic fans watched UCF. They were a fun watch most of the time. Um, frustrating watch at times. You know, college is all about having guards, and UCF uh, was very very short on guards this year. Um, and you know, the, the AAC is the AAC uh, as well. Um, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to them getting pounded in the Big Twelve. Uh, but um, but what what stands out about Hendricks? You know, at the beginning of, at the beginning of the draft process, at the beginning of the year, I don't think he was on many draft radars. You know, his stats don't jump out at you. But you know, you watch him play and you see, you know, okay, there's the hints of what he can be in the NBA. What what stands out about Hendricks and why do you think you know a lot of magic, a lot of mocks have him going to the Magic? You know, I'm gonna write my mock up, my latest mock here, in a couple of days, and I'm pretty sure I'm gonna end up picking Hendricks at six. Uh, what? Why does he fit the magic so well? <laughs> yeah, I, I sign off on that. I think it's simply because he's young. He's. Uh, I, I got to double check this now. I'm. I always. I get the guy's ages wrong so quickly, but I'm pretty sure he turns 19. Uh, I'm sorry, 20 at pretty much the, the like end of the year. So he's still pretty young. He's like normally aged. I guess he's not 20, right? There are some players. I mean, he's younger than Amin and Asar Thompson. Yeah, so for me, though, it's. Yeah, I mean, and and just something on them real quick. I mean, Mike Miles, a junior at TCU, is four months older than the Thompson twins. So just to keep that in mind, uh, not to like you know trash them or anything, but that's not what I'm going for. But just age as a is just up. a number, my friend. It is. It is. Experience matters more. But so regardless, <laughs> moving back to Taylor Hendricks, what I really like about him to finally answer the question is the way I've always described him to people is imagine if you put. Robert Covington at his senior year at Tennessee State. I don't know how much you remember of him, but I'll give the brief summary. So he was basically doing everything for them. Because and when you're in a mid-major and you're a forward who's an NBA prospect, you probably are the point guard. You're probably the center. You're probably the primary shooter. And he had to do all of that. He had to balance being the you know just best defender on the team at every level. He had to balance connecting the offense. He had to balance being a scorer himself, whether it was spot-up shooting, cutting, whatever it was. And he also had to pass again, like to connect the offense. And Taylor Hendricks just does all of that. So the reason I say all that is, imagine if you got that Robert Covington. He did that as a senior. It really took him a bit to to figure it out. You give a head start at nineteen with a very similar player at that, like twenty two year old Robert Covington or senior, whatever he was, and current Taylor Hendricks are very similar players. So you give him a three year head start. That's really promising. So that's how I see it: is you get a really nice starters kid at a minimum of a high end role player. 
And you know what? If he always stays at what he is now, he's still going to be one of the better role players in the league. If he develops it how he should, he could be one of the very best. So I, I think he's just – he's that guy to me. I have him fifth on my board. I think he's got the highest floor away from the top four. That's why he's number five. I'd love him in Orlando for that. He's the one guy I think balances the fit and talent. Yeah, and I think – I mean, honestly, I think – again, thinking of the playoffs, like he's someone that can switch. Uh, he's someone – he can guard the perimeter a little bit. He's got he's got pretty good feet from what I remember seeing. I watched plenty of UCF games this year. He's he's a good rim protector too. And I think that's, you know, I know I've been kind of banging this drum a little bit and it's not that I don't like Wendell Carter. Wendell Carter's not a, a natural rim protector. He's not an above the rim guy. Taylor, I mean, Taylor Hendricks isn't like jumping out of the gym athleticism, but he can block shots. He can cover behind Wendell Carter a little bit more, which I think was something that was missing at the very least. You know, Mo Wagner was the worst defender of of any center in the league that played regular minutes uh, at defense, defensive field goal percentage at the rim, according to Second Spectrum. Um, what Mo Wagner's whole defense was: I'm taking a charge, or you're shooting over me. Um, that that's 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 Mo that's Mo Wagner. And look, I love Mo. He had a great season this year. But the Magic really could use some rim protection. Um, you know, there you could move Paolo Bancaro to the five. I think on some lineups, if you have Taylor Hendricks there as a rim protector to guard some of the bigger guys, you can, you can be a little bit more creative. That versatility really matters, really, really matters and, and gives you some different lineup options and allows you to play your five best players. At the end of the day, that's what we're going for. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that was good about the experiment um, without the point guards, you know, the, the invention that came without the point guards was he kind of discovered like, okay, Franz Wagner loses some of his defensive mojo if he's playing the two, but Maybe that inspires him to go this summer and work on uh, on his foot speed a little bit, so he can you can guard twos. And you're switching so much anyway; you got to be able to guard everyone on the perimeter if you're a perimeter player. Um, but Hendricks, to me, the three point shot is there to, to be developed. I don't think it'll be I don't think it'll be out of the box ready. It'll be inconsistent as a rookie, but I think I think he has yeah. those tools. And while you know, I think you don't want to. I don't think you necessarily want to give him the ball and and let him work. You can dump it off to him on on the at the dunker spot. He'll know what to do when he gets the ball on dump offs. You know, you give him a straight line in the basket. He's going to know what to do. He's he can get out in transition. He's going to make plays that start that spark fast breaks. That sounds like the perfect magic, like backup center, you know, backup power forward, which which they do really really need. And you know, a lot of I, this is not something that got popularized, but the a the American Athletic Conference, the rookie, or I'm sorry, I keep saying rookie of the year every podcast. I they talk call about it rookie of the year. Okay, you know what? I'm justified. The it's they like the freshman of the year, but. We'll call it rookie of the year like they do. Um, it was between him and Taylor. It was Taylor Hendricks and Jairus Walker. And despite Taylor Hendricks, I, I think he had better stats, you know, whatever. But Houston was the better team. Jairus won it. But Taylor Hendricks was the number one shot blocker in the conference. And I believe he was like top three in the American Athletic Conference too as a shooter. So like you think about, like you said, like the versatility you get, you get an, a premier off ball four five in whatever lineup you want to run. I mean, they already, the magic very clearly showed that they want to run positionless offense. Taylor Hendricks fix, fits perfectly because he can play also positionless defense. And like you said, big upgrade over Mo Wagner's defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned Jarris Walker. You're we talking before like, look, Jarris Walker, I think can be a very good player. I think he will probably be a very good player. The energy, the hustle, that doesn't go away. You know, he's got the length to defend really well. I think he's really, really smart, sets really good screens. He's just not the player for the Magic. Like, it's not that yeah. the Magic should throw him off their board. They need guys who can shoot. And Jairus Walker, Jairus Walker to me is like a bow outlaw Ben Wallace type. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. Like, he's 
energy guy. He's, a lot of people are comparing him more to Draymond Green. That's maybe a more less magic centric, more modern. And I don't think he's as smart of a decision maker and, and defender as, as Draymond is. That's an impossibly high standard. But that's kind of the mold that he fits into. And look, every you know, some teams need a guy like that. I don't think the Magic do. I, I just think the lack of that the team yeah. needs shoot like shooting is like the the thing for this Magic team. It's so interesting because I think the Magic are the one team that just doesn't make a ton of sense in the top ten for Jairus Walker. You could probably make the argument for every if you had to rank like his best fits in the top ten, the Magic are number ten, and it's like a pretty safe call. Like I think there's a clear gap. And it is because they need shooting so bad. And it's unfortunate because I think I, in a nutshell, like if you got rid of one of the front court players, ideally like not one of their core guys, you probably take him. But the problem is like, unless you can really bank on him being better now or next, like give him one year of a, a you know, trial to be it. And then hopefully in year two, he's there. You got to bank on that. And that's a huge risk though. Like it, it's not, he's not the risk. It's just the situation is the risk. And I also just have reservations about guys who shoot under 68, 67% from the free throw line. Like we talked about, that's just such a strong indicator. And he was at 66%. 66, like if you go on, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, it's like Bart Torvik, I think is how it's called. Uh, they do the advanced stats and things like that. They do great queries and things like that to be able to find, um, you know, just commonalities. And the thing I've seen is very few players under 67% shoot well in the NBA like that's just that's where the cutoff is I mean Lonzo Ball is one of the very close ones he shot uh 67.3 but again if you're under 67 it's like one I think it was Avery Bradley was the only one I could find if off the top of my head yeah I mean again it's 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 little things like that that matter again like I'm a big believer of this you know I talked a little bit about this with Aaron Gordon last uh, on yesterday's pod where you end up the infrastructure you're given, how you fit with that team that drafts you, that that does go a long way in your development. And, you know, the stars are the stars. They're going to be stars no matter where they're drafted, no matter their situation. They're going to find a way to for that talent to come out. But so many of these role players, you get stuck with stuck in the wrong position. It not only hurts the team, it hurts the individual players' development, and they don't become what they can become. Guys get missed because they're just in bad situations where you know they're buried on the bench, or they they can't get on the they can't get on the court, or the the the, the team doesn't like accentuate their their skills. And like, look, I think Jarris Walker is going to be successful. Like he, he the way he the how hard he plays, he's gonna find some some place where he fits. But and, and even if the Magic draft him, he would find a way to help this team in some way. But he's not the the optimal thing to use this pick on, in my opinion. Like, there's just so many other questions. He's not. Like Jer- if you draft Jairus Walker, Jalen Suggs isn't going to be better because of him. Uh, like Marco Fultz probably isn't going to be much better because of him because he's he's going to be a non-shooter. He's going to be a non-shooter. And and again, if you have a bunch of shooters, you can afford to have a non-shooter on the floor. Like he'd be perfect. At, you know, not that he'd be perfect for Golden State, but like he'd be kind of perfect in that ecosystem where they have a bunch of guys that 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 can shoot and he can help them get open. That's not who the Magic are, and that's not what the Magic are right now. Um, before we move on to talking a little bit about the eleventh pick, and 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 you know, I think we we've kind of previewed where we're going to go with that. Um, what are you know the trade up options for Orlando? Do you think um, we had the long podcast with Mike Richmond where we talked about uh, potentially trading up with Portland? Um, you know, he asked me a little bit about Brandon Miller, and and I just said, you know, with Franz and Powell already in place, like Brandon Miller is a very nice player, and I like him. 
Uh, but I don't know if I like him more than Franz. And if I don't like him more than Franz, I don't know if that's a guy that I'm going to pursue. Um, the Thompson twins, you, you mentioned a little bit, you know, it's, it's hard to know what to make of them. I, I know a lot of people are curious about them because talent and athleticism are talent and athleticism, but no one knows what to make of overtime elite and, and, and their two years there. Is this a draft for, you know, Victor's obviously not on the board. San Antonio is, is, has already got the jerseys printed. Is this a tr- is this a draft where the Magic should be looking to trade up, um, and, and and if they do trade up, who who is a guy again besides Victor, uh, who they maybe could target um, or, or would target if, if they're willing if they wanted to push some chips in and, and really make a splash in this draft. Yeah, I, I think it's if it were me, I'd stay put. If anything, I would try and like you could get to five. Six and eleven would do it. I think almost an overpay in a like in a way because of the situation. Like I'd rather just have the leftover of whoever five takes. Like because I don't even know if it's going to be Detroit. But for me, I think <clears throat> I think it's just unless you're all in on Amon Thompson, I think he could be there at five. I think there is just a, re- a very weird world where he is. He shouldn't be, but where he does end up at five. If the Magic like him, I mean, let's let's not deny it. He has a long, he has long arms. He has, he's a point guard. He could be that big point guard. That, <laughs> he could be that point guard that the Magic have needed. They've had some of the or those point guards, I should say. They haven't had the point guard. So Amen could be that. That's probably the only player that they're going to trade up for. It's Portland or nobody. And honestly, I don't see. The value, I, I, you could get Brandon Miller, you could get Scoot, whatever it is, and Scoot would be the other one too with the point guard. If Scoot's there, yeah, I would, I would actually push in some chips. They had, they can move. I mean, just off the top of my head, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be enough, but like you use this as a starting kit, right? Of six eleven and the Denver pick from RJ, the Eric Gordon, excuse me, Aaron Gordon the deal, Aaron Gordon that twenty twenty five pick. Uh, I'm, I'm thrown off tonight, but I think you know you <laughs> so use those maybe. Passes. Yeah, you use those. Oh my god! Sorry, I sorry, sorry, sorry. I had to. The lob was there. Wow, that took me a second. <laughs> but I think Portland's going to be tough because you're paying a lot. You have to be really confident that whoever you're getting of Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson that they they are the player that you think is going to get you over the hump, not just like this year, but in five years and three years and seven years, you really have to be confident in that, which is you probably should be, I mean, and will be because this top three is absolutely loaded. But ultimately, if it were me, I'm going the other direction. I mean, I'd move, I'd stay at, I'd move one of six or 11. I'd stay at the other, like and move backwards. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's honestly the, 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 the feeling that I'm get, I'm getting to is that, you know, maybe, Maybe the best move isn't to move up in this draft, but to you know, if if an Almanda or Sar Thompson do fall, like though, like they're very talented players. I'm not wholly against the Magic taking them, but their guys are going to take some time to develop. They're probably teams below Orlando that could that really could could use a player like Almanda and Sar Thompson with that potential, with that high upside. And Orlando can maybe move back two three spots, still get their guy. You know, whether it's Taylor Hendricks, whether they want Grady Dick, and they say great uh, Grady Dick isn't a six pick, we can get him at eight or nine, um, and still do still come out come out well. Or you know, go get someone else. I'm blanking on who else would be on my board at that point. Um, you know, whether you know if they like Anthony Black, I guess. I, you yep. know, same same issues with him as with a lot of other players in this draft that that the Magic might might pass on. Um, it's it's I think that's definitely definitely an option. Um, let's let's move on to the eleventh pick. We'll get to that uh, coming up after this uh, short break to get get our ad read. 
So we, we previewed it a little bit um, earlier, you know, that you think that the 11th pick, it, it sounds like you think the 11th pick is the pick that the Magic should absolutely hold on to as the place to get their shooter. Um, I'm, I'm on record at this. I will say this uh, over and over and over again until June 22nd, uh, whenever, June 23rd, whenever draft day is. Uh, my goal for draft night for this Orlando Magic team, whether it's by trade, whether it's by draft pick, the Magic need to come out of this day with a shooter. They need to have a shooter in place um, on uh, out of draft night. Again, it, it could they could make a trade for one. They could draft one. And the two that really come to mind are Grady Dick and Jordan Hawkins. I've I, I've been working on the assumption that Grady Dick won't be there at eleven. Uh, and so I've had like Jordan Hawkins like circled in at eleven. Like if you if you don't take Dick at six, Hawkins at eleven. Put that in Sharpie. Circle it. You know. Don't you know. If another team says, "Hey, we're going to take Hawkins at, at 10, maybe maybe you do have to maybe you do have to trade 36 to, to make sure you get him. But um, that to me to me that's the, the the point the point of all that is to say the Magic need to probably get one of these two players. What you know what is the difference between these two between those two players and, and how you know in a draft where you know we talked about it, Cam Whitmore not really trusted as a shooter. Um, I'm in Thompson, Asar Thompson. We I mentioned Anthony Black is not really a great shooter. There's a lot of wings in this draft that aren't great shooters. How important should it be for the, how much of a priority should it be for the Magic to make sure they get one of Dick or uh, Hawkins out of this draft? Yeah, I, I think it's a must. I think you got to walk away with one of those two. And honestly, I would, given what you can get for six, I would rather have like 11 and uh, I'm just spitballing. I, I don't think the Pelicans would do this, but like 11 and 14, right? I'd rather have that because I, I think the 10 through 20 range, or really 11 through 20, is a great spot to be in. There's going to be leftovers, plus there's a really good group of guys with high floors, underrated ceilings, things like that. But if you walk away with Grady Dick or Jordan Hawkins, you're doing really well for yourself. The The difference really between them is Grady Dick is a, uh, is a little bit bigger. Um, neither of them have great wingspans or anything like that. But just kind of going into their games a little bit more Grady Dick is smarter on the court and it's not even a knock on Jordan Hawkins I think it's just that's really high praise because Jordan Hawkins is intelligent but like Grady Dick knows where to be on both ends of the floor even though he's a bad defender on ball he really can find the spots to hide his weaknesses on ball by being a good off ball defender he rotates really well which I think as over the years, we started to see, especially at Golden State, that era, not just them, but playing against them, knowing you had to rotate. And that stuff matters. So he's going to rotate well. He'll hold his own off ball. But on ball, he's a liability. Then on ball, offensively, he's not going to create. He's just a shooter and a cutter. But with Jordan Hawkins, you see there is some potential with you know attacking closeouts, things like that, quick two dribbles, making things work. Defense is a it's a mystery box. I think I could see it really going either way. Depends on how much weight he adds and what pro, what NBA team he gets in with. Ultimately, I still have Grady Dick higher just because he's bigger. He can shoot. I think I think Hawkins might be the better shooter, but standstill wise, I think he's better in just the, that rotations is is the difference. I wouldn't take him at yeah. six though. I want to go on record and say that. Okay. Yeah. No. I, and and I, and I tend to agree. Like I mean. The lockdown mock draft is coming out. I I don't want to. I, I don't know if we're supposed to reveal results from that yet. Um, 
I, 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 I took Nick at six, um, but there's a reason for that. And I'm going to tease that for when the mock draft comes out. I will also note that mock draft was done last week uh, in late May. A uh, lot's going to change between now and when that's released in, in mid June. So uh, please bookmark this and remind everyone that I, I said that um, I'll, I'll save what I did with 11, with 11 later uh, later and 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 hopefully that justifies it. But you know, to, to that point, yeah, I agree that Dickett Dickett six is a. I don't think it's a reach, but the pressure that comes with being the sixth pick, you're not supposed to be just a role player. You're supposed to have a little bit of upside. You're supposed to have something and ha- have something a little bit more. And, and I do think that like Dick, Dick is very much what he's going to be. Um, you know, and and that's I, I don't mean that as an insult. You know, I think he's going to come in. He's going to make shots immediately. Like he's got NBA range uh, from from what I saw. He he moves well off screens. Although I think Hawkins moves really well off screens too. Um, and, and like you said, he he's just a really really smart player and and can do do a lot of things. He's just going to be very limited in and and what more he can be. His role in the NBA is just very very defined. And you know for for the Magic, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so. To your point, moving down in this draft with, with that six pick is, is certainly really, really interesting to me. Um, obviously, you know, if Dicker Hawkins are, are kind of goal number one, no matter where you take them, I'm curious who else, you know, if the Magic didn't move down to, say, 14 or in that range, who would you have the Magic target with that pick that 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 maybe we aren't thinking, thinking of? Yeah, there's a few guys. I mean, before the foot surgery, I think Dariq Whitehead would have been a strong candidate, but that actually might not matter because if he, I think that it really may just may not matter. Like the inner, he's not going to be able to do any actual workouts. The most I've seen him do at his pro day, uh, at his pro day with Excel in Chicago was he was basically the rebounder and who knows what that condition will be like for him. He'll be ready by the start of the season, but it may worry teams. Hey, he's not being able to actually come in and prove he can shoot, which he can, by the way. I'd say Dariq Whitehead in a normal world without injuries would 100% be there. So he would be somebody, I think he's probably closer to 20 now. He's hard to evaluate. I have him as a lottery talent, so I naturally want to say him. But I'll give three names and just run through them really fast. So there's Kobe Bufkin from Michigan. He's a combo guard, kind of awkward fit, but he can shoot the lights out. He does everything just about overall. Jalen Hood-Shafina is a guy with a growing jump shot, good indicators of the shot being there long-term. And he can run the point at 6'6". I like him a lot. He's a good defender. And then I'll throw in an absolute... Eh, I don't feel like throwing that much of a curveball. I'll stick with guards. Bryce Sensabaugh, <laughs> I think, could be somebody oh, who... I mean, he he's another shooter that... I mean, he's got concerns about, you know, feel for the game too. But he can shoot just like no other. And he can create his own shot. He's got to work on a lot of decision-making on, on both ends. But he gets to the right team or like Orlando where they just say, hey, run off ball, do your thing, two dribbles when you catch the ball, max, you'll do a lot of damage. So I think he's somebody who could be a sleeper at that range. Like that's just, that's the kind of stuff. There's a few other guys in there, but that's just really the core. They're all kind of combo guards, but there's a lot of guys that could find really solid roles, like roles over position for this. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I, if, if, if you, for people who are watching this every time Bryce Sensabaugh is mentioned, I do give a shout out. Bryce Sensabaugh went to my high school here in Orlando, um, like Lake Highland Prep, go Highlanders. Um, but you, know, you watch his tape and, and he he fits a lot of what the Magic need, like especially coming off the bench. If you put him in a role where he's not expected to start, you know, you limit you limit his minutes a little bit. He can give you a little bit of that kind of spark off the bench. Like every team needs a guy that can, you know, randomly go for 20 off the bench. Like that's not a bad thing to have. 
And I think Sensabaugh can be that guy. He's he's just such a great scorer. You have a lot of questions about his defense and and just his understanding of of when to be that guy and when to pull back. Um, but again, right right situation, right team. This is a defensive minded team. They've got some really versatile defenders. They can hi- maybe try and hide him a little bit defensively. They can cover for him a little bit defensively. And I think the Magic feel really proud that. They finished, I think, sixth in defensive rating after December 7th. Like, they feel like they have the bones of a very good defense. And so, you know, to, to build some offense, maybe they can give back a little bit of that defense. Um, I don't know how much they can give back on that, but obviously this team needs shooters. So if a guy can shoot the ball, if a guy can put the ball in the basket, that's that's all. That's 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 a major, major priority. Um, just to close yeah. things out, you know, oh, do you have any, anything else to add? No, 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 no. Go on. Okay. Um, just to, just to close things out, you know, the magic do have the 36th pick in the draft as well. I've not done my deep dive on the second round quite yet Two two first round picks is enough for me. Um, but I wanted, I, I knowing that you're, you follow the magic. I, I, I previewed this question for you off camera. I have to ask who is the most magic prospect in this draft that, that we haven't talked about yet. Who's the guy yeah. that just screams Jeff Weltman and John Hammond are drafting this guy so- and they don't care who he is. <laughs> The, the first way to start this is go to the draft uh, the draft site on NBA.com and sort by wingspan and then look. But there are really two guys, one in 11 and one in 36 that I think are candidates. And, and it is kind of low-hanging fruit by saying both of them are long arms and have struggling shots. At 11, Leonard Miller at the G League Ignite. He, he's right there. Uh, and then I think at 36, I actually – I, I like Jordan Walsh a lot. I think he was uh, the answer at first, but then I started thinking about it. I mean, I've heard things about City Sissoko sliding to the second round. I mean, I, I put it in my mock uh, because I heard legitimate rumblings about that. Granted, he's only 6'6 with a 6'10 wingspan. He's somebody who played the whole G League season at 18 years old. Jumper was there except for the last nine games. Before the last nine games, he was shooting like 36, 37%, I believe, maybe 35, but it was in that mix, 35, 37 the last nine games, he went, he went three of 26 from three. So he tanked his three-point percentage in the last nine games. And mind you, the reason I say that is Scoot stopped playing. I mean, a lot of guys were just checked out. It was the end of the season. They had nothing to play for. Their stock was kind of established. And City just kept trying threes. And you got to – like you can't fault the guy for trying him. He could have done that too. He could have protected his stats, and he didn't. And I think he's somebody who could also be in that mix. 36 seems a little bit of a reach, but, um, you know – He's somebody else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And obviously, like, you know, the Magic have a long history of uh, not using their second round picks of late. Um, and, you know, you look at this roster, it's getting a little bit crowded. And I think that's a big concern with the two lottery picks potentially coming in that, you know, the Magic, you know, Jeff Wellman likes to say, you got to give young players a pathway to play. If you're going to draft a player, you got to give them a path to play. And I, I do think that is... That is a big question mark for the Magic uh, coming into this offseason because I, I think they're not only going to look to address needs uh, and add talent through the draft. I think they are going to be players in free agency this summer with you know, around $23, 24000000 million in cap room. You know, they could be, you know, the, the free agency is going to play a role in who they ultimately draft. You know, while I think going for Grady Dick and Jordan Hawkins is, is absolutely the right call, you know, they could pass on one of those guys saying like, hey, we think we're going to get Austin Reeves or we think we're going to get Gary Trent Jr. or we think we're going to get, uh, you know, a, a player in free agency that's going to help us and fill that need that we don't need a rookie to fill anymore. Um, so a lot, a lot to go into. The Magic do have to be very, very well-versed in this draft and have a very good understanding of what they want to get out of it, how it relates to their free agency, how it relates to their current team, the team they want to be. It, it, the, it's an exciting time for the Magic because all these possibilities exist. 
and because they're in such a great position uh, entering this draft. Um, Richard, I want to thank you for coming on again and helping helping us help teach us a little bit about this draft class and let us know um, who to look out for, what some of the what some of the issues and, and some of the positives with some of these players are. You're obviously doing a lot of uh, great work on Locked On NBA Big Board, but for those who don't know where to find you, uh, where can where can people interact and 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 hear and read your stuff? Yeah, the hub is really at Mavs Draft on Twitter. I'm starting to move out to Instagram too. NBA Draft Film is my handle there. Um, I've been posting a ton, EYBL, college, international, trying to get more in NBA too, but, uh, those are pretty much the big two. I post everything I do on Twitter. So, um, the only difference really is Instagram. I'm, there's no character limits for the most part. So I go deeper on there, but I cover more on Twitter. So both of those and you're covered everywhere. Yeah, definitely give him a listen. And obviously as we get closer and closer to the draft, the Lockdown NBA Network is your, is your place to go. Uh, to to get all get everything you need to know about the NBA draft, locked on NBA big board, locked on NBA. Obviously, the NBA finals get ready to start too. Um, Boston will have something to say about that uh, soon tomorrow, perhaps, perhaps not. We'll find out. Um, they're not a good home team in the playoffs. But uh, I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun based on podcasts to your podcast enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For my everyday, everyday listeners, um, we'll have a fresh podcast for you tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about what Paolo Bancaro said in a Slam Magazine cover article. Some good things coming from the rookie of the year. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.